0: Hi, everyone. This is Caleb, and I'm so grateful that you've decided to spend a few minutes your day here with me on the Learner's Corner podcast. Today, I am honored to be joined by two guests. I'm honored to be joined by Dr. Baron Bell and Daniel Hancock. They are working and creating on this new uh, comic book, which I found out about, called Dominion, The Fall of the House of Saul. And we're going to get into that in just a minute. But before that, if this happens to be your first time listening to The Learner's Corner, I do want to let you know that really there's two things that drive a lot of what we do here on the podcast. The first one is this, is that we want to create a safe place for difficult conversations. And the second one is this, is that we truly believe that we can learn from anyone and from everyone and from anything and from everything, regardless of whether or not we agree with them 100% or regardless of what the subject matter is such as today and that being comic books and storytelling which if you've been uh, listening to the the podcast for a while you might have picked up that story and storytelling is something that has really fascinated me throughout the year of 2021 and so I am very excited to dive into this conversation however I do want to let you know that Uh, If you have someone that you would love us to talk with on the podcast or (laughs) that you would love me to talk with on the podcast, or if, um, or if there's something that you would like us to talk about or cover on the podcast, please reach out to me at learnerscornerpodcast at gmail.com. Would love to hear from you, uh, regarding that. Now, let me tell you a little bit about who we're talking with today, and then I'll tell you, uh, their, their, about their work of art, which they created here as well so dr dr baron bell is a graduate of regent university with a master's degree in film and animation as a comic book writer and penciler he published his first book in 2001 entitled cobalt warrior angel he has received two glyph award nominations uh, for his work on radio free america season one for many years he's worked as a storyboard artist for film and television is currently a professor of art Animation at Liberty University and George Fox University. Now, Daniel is a scriptwriter, editor, and media, and in charge of media development. He is a director, playwright, and screenwriter, specializing in dramatic adventures and imaginative adaptations. He is the founder and director of Bible Actors Productions and creator of the full cast audio drama. End of Darkness. Daniel joined the Terminus team in 2020, where he serves as script writer, editor, and multimedia producer. He collaborated with Daryl Pennington and Matt Baker as an editor on Samson Rise and works closely with Dr. Bell as the co-writer of the sci-fi fantasy epic Dominion Fall of the House of Saul. Now let me tell you a little bit about the story of Dominion. Fall of the House of Saul. It's Star Wars meets Narnia in this timeless story of war and family reimagined for a new generation. And it is an epic comic book space opera inspired by the Book of First Samuel found in the Old Testament. The first trade paperback, the first volume of the issues containing issues one through three will arrive or is available is released sorry releases on december 15th 2021 and will be available and is currently available for pre-order now that's enough about the story and let's join into my conversation with dr bell and daniel Well, Doctor Bell and Daniel, it's so good to have you both on the Learners Corner podcast today.
1: Thank you so much for having us. Good to be here.
0: Yeah, and just as we're getting started, you know, one of the things that I, uh, I want to talk about a little bit later with you is um, is the Dominion uh, story, the Dominion comic Absolutely. later. But before uh, before we get into that, I would just love to hear uh, from the both of you of what, like, how did you guys get initially? like come upon comics and get interested in comics and everything.
2: Oh man.
1: Wow. Daniel, why don't you go first? Cause uh, what? I think, what? I think my story is a little bit more extensive than yours. <laughs> yeah,
2: sure. Um, well for me, it's mostly comic book movies. You know, I grew up watching Batman Superman as a kid and, uh, X-Men cartoons and all those, those great, awesome cartoons from that time period. And, um, and now, you know, with all the, the awesome hero movies that started coming out in my high school years, uh, that that's really more of my connection. I wasn't a big comic book reader. Um, now I, now I'm doing more of that these days, you know, being a comic book writer, I've had to like, take some lessons from these guys and get the best ones and make sure I'm brushing up. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, definitely, um, I come at it more from the story angle. You know, I love those movies and I took a lot of the, um, the storytelling forms and everything that were used in those, those great ones to be able to, and applied those kind of to my own writing over the years. So, uh, connecting with Dr. Bell over Dominion was just like a a match made in heaven, you know, being able to work on something this incredible, something this creative, um, has been, has been truly awesome. And it's really opened up the world of comics for me in a new way too. meeting amazing people and, uh, and artists and, and also just, um, the awesome stories that are told in those comics.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I would say that my, my, uh, Entrance into comics is, is traditionally what you know most kids would would say how they did. Um, you know, when I was a little kid, uh, my my oldest brother brought home like this big gigantic box of comics, and I was hooked ever since. <laughs> I mean, you yeah, I, I don't think I'd ever seen anything that dazzling. You know, just to be able to just and at that point in time they were all used, but still, it's like for a kid you know, that, that is a wonderland with four color and halftone patterns popping out at you. And so to me, you know, I I don't think that, I think my, my fate was sealed on that day (laughs) when I opened that box. And then, you know, uh, as an artist, you know, know, I I started drawing on walls when I was a little kid. And then of course my mom kind of, you know, curbed that, uh, that tendency to books and and, uh, and she got me sketch pads and whatever, but, uh, I was able to kind of make my own little comics based on what I was reading. And so, uh, it was really, really, a, a very cool education. And then of course, you know, as comic books became, you know, more so, um, you know, movies and television series and whatever, then of course my interest even increased more and more and more to the point where I said, you know, I really want to do that myself.
0: Yeah. Uh, I did want to ask the both of you um and I know dr Bell you have uh maybe a little bit more familiarity with uh with the comics and you know reading them growing up but I would love to hear from both of you uh who are the who are the heroes you know and where it could be marvel d c or you know image comics or independent stuff or in the movies or anything like that I would just love to hear um from both of you the heroes that most strongly resonate from you guys and what what resonates so strongly with them or even in the terms of uh, story arcs or issues or anything. And, and what makes those things stand out to you guys so much?
1: Um, Well, yeah, I'll go first this time. I'll say that as far as heroes, I, I mean, I, I resonate with, you know, I mean, the typical Pantheon, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, you know what I mean? Cause I, yeah, I grew up with that stuff. So it's like, you know, for me, you know, and then of course, you know, Black Panther kind of came on the scene and, you know, but I would say that, you know, I was, I was less of a, of a character person and I was always interested in the behind the scenes. So I would be like geeking out over the writing staff and then the art team. So, you know, for me, it's like, you know, if you see like Frank Miller on something, I would always read it. If you see Alex Ross on something, you know, one of my favorite books of all time was Kingdom Come by Alex Ross, because it mixed this kind of a uh, religious kind of a, a end times them- thematics with comics and superheroes. And it kind of crashed together in this fantastic epic of, of storytelling, which is still unparalleled today, in my opinion. Um, but I also, you know, resonated with like the great artists, Will Eisner back in the day did the spirit and, you know, um, uh, Jack Kirby, of course, Kirby is just like amazing. I mean, we wouldn't have the, the art style for the Eternals or, or Thor Ragnarok without Jack Kirby. So it's like, for me, that type of stuff really resonated with me. and made me kind of who I am.
2: For me, I, uh. I really connected with Spider-Man back in the day when the movie came out. It was so amazing to me. Obviously, it was, you know, I just watched these with my kids, kind of preparing to watch the new one that's coming out here next uh, couple weeks. But I watched Spider-Man 1 and 2 with my with my young kids here, and they were absolutely thrilled. You know, they're just such great movies, especially that second one just really, really um, packed a punch. You know, kind of on all the levels. You know, the storytelling, the art, and, and just capturing the capturing the characters and, and everything it was so well done. Um, but for me, it was great because Peter Parker was a normal kid. You know, he was uh, you know a teenager trying to trying to make it in life, and so I definitely resonated you know greatly with that. And uh, uh, obviously, you know, great power comes great responsibility. The lessons that you can learn through those stories are excellent. And uh, and then also, I liked iron man and batman because they didn't have superpowers you know and so they were using their minds to try and solve problems you know solve mysteries And batman you know and and so for me uh that was always cool to see that without that extra advantage that they were able to find ways besides their ridiculous fortunes but uh you know find ways to be able to uh to make a difference you know in the world so yeah i feel like i can kind of relate to that as well being just a, a mere mortal myself.
1: <laughs> are you are yeah. you are you a superhero and you haven't told me anything? Do, do we need to talk, Dan?
2: I, I wouldn't tell you if I was. So. Okay,
1: okay, I was just checking.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, that's the whole secret identity thing. You right. can't give it up.
2: I am Iron Man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, uh, Doctor Bell. Just as I was looking through, um, you know, your bio and everything, one of the things that really intrigued me about it is, you know, you list uh, C. S. Lewis and J. R. R. Tolkien as two influences. And I think that stood out to me so much just because, you know, that's those are those are two great storyteller names, but you don't typically like associate them with comics. And so I would just love to hear from you of what are some of the things that you learned from J.R.R. Tolkien and from C.S. Lewis oh my um, gosh. that has translated into your storytelling. What ability.
1: haven't I learned from Lewis and Tolkien? <laughs> I mean, it, it, those were, I, I think if they're any, any kind of iconic legends uh of of storytelling of literature it's those two guys who really i uh, you know i I love I love reading you know I'm a history buff uh outside of the bible you know uh I love history and so it's like i and anything that that can kind of uh feed my spirit in that way i gra i gravitate towards so Initially, when I got uh, onto C.S. Lewis, it was through the cartoons uh, back in the 70s, the Rankin Bass, Lord of the Rings. And um, no, sorry, sorry, that, that's uh, Tolkien, Lord of the Rings, Rankin Bass. Yeah. Uh, that's how I got into Tolkien. With C.S. Lewis, it was kind of similar because they also had the Lion, the Witch, and a Wardrobe cartoon back in the 70s. Uh, and that's how I got into them. So I kind of went in the back door, but then I started reading. Their work, and I'm like, amazing stuff is fantastic, brilliant stuff. But then I come to realize that they're Christian. And when I was coming up and becoming a you know, Christian myself, that part I think really connected with me because no one ever told me when I became a Christian how you could actually apply that to what you do artistically. I had to kind of bump into it. And so when I started to read C.S. Lewis's other books outside of the, the Narnia series, um, you know, Tape Letters, Mere Christianity, other books like that, that's when I'm like, this is really, this is me. He's talking, this is, this is me. It's like the same dude, but a different era and uh so looking at that looking at how both of these artists were able to weave their 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 worldview into their work was a was a, a it's a, a like a class for me it's like a master class and writing and uh and it's really something that that I apply to my work now um and Daniel agrees with me and and you know we both as we're writing. We're developing good quality stories, but definitely weaving our biblical worldview into it.
2: Yeah, that's the cool thing too. Is that um, you know, Baron and I connect on all the all the comic book characters and Marvel, DC, and Star Wars. But uh, we're both huge Tolkien and uh, and Lewis fans as well. So it's it is a, a great uh, combination to be able to bring those different uh, elements together. You know, the sci-fi and the in the comic book world into the the kind of depth of storytelling that we get out of a uh, Tolkien's work, or the just the the perfect blending of you know message and medium that that uh, Lewis was able to achieve um, to be able to take the 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 thoughts that he's having, the biblical principles, the concepts of the truth that he's trying to to weave in, and be able to convey those so so effectively inside of a fictional story, and in so many different types of stories as well. We were talking about his space trilogy the other day and we were talking about uh Till We Have Faces and these are just, you know, each so unique and different than Narnia for instance. Um and then of course Tolkien's, you know, expansive, you know, world-building and creation and just the absolute um raw truth, you know, that he's able to pack into those the uh, elucidation of truth I think is how he puts it. Um you know just amazing and so yeah definitely any way that we can take and learn from those guys another thing is like the details um that's something that I learned from Lewis and, and Tolkien too just the that everything matters every every word every every choice for a character every every image that we create you know it does matter and, and it can speak to the truth in the story that you're trying to tell so yeah we try to we try to incorporate as much of that as we can in our own work
0: yeah, uh, there's so much there that I I uh, I want to double down on. I want to ask you guys uh, both about the first thing uh, that you had mentioned, Doctor Bell and Daniel. You, you mentioned this as well is um, taking your worldview and incorporating it into a piece of art. I would love uh, your guys just further thoughts on how do you do that? You know, taking your know taking your faith, taking your beliefs, taking your worldview, and not only you know putting it Aaron, just putting it into a story. Um, and having to be shaped by
1: that. Well, I think number one, you have to live it. You, you have to live it. You, you, you every, anyone can spot a fraud. You know, um, you have to to live your faith, and and it has to be true, genuine, and honest. It has to permeate every cell of your being, because then when you write or when you paint, it actually is infused in that. And so for me, it there really isn't a thought process behind how to do it because it's just a part of me and so anything just just like you know uh I, you know i'm a i'm a black man i just, that's i mean you can't shake i mean i can't i mean i can do a michael jackson thing and try to try to lighten myself but whatever but not that i'm gonna do that but it's just like you can't get rid of it it's a part of you but i feel the same thing about my faith it's, it's infused in every cell of my being. So anything that I do is going to reflect that because that's how I live. But also um, one of the, the mistakes that uh, Daniel and I often talk about with, with Christian media um, previously uh, is that you tend to put the cart before the horse. You tend to you, you, you are so mission focused that you, there is no entertainment value in that. And so um, for us it's like no we we will we will we will build wonderful characters um, of course in dominion's case they're based on real historical figures but we take them and and then kind of adapt them to our storytelling build those characters do some really good relationship building over the course of, of, of of these stories and, and, and project forward into the future, how those relationships will, will develop and, and grow. And then you throw them into a conflict and within that, then you can kind of figure out, okay, well, where can we, um, you know, put pearls of truth or pearls of redemption or, where can we put certain things that will actually make sense to the story? And then that's that kind of how it, 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 it develops for us.
2: Yeah. And partly, you know, I would add to that is that it should be organic. You know, it shouldn't be forced. It shouldn't be that you're, you know, contriving things in order to make your worldview fit into the story. If it doesn't flow naturally, then you're not doing it right. If it doesn't come through, you know, through the the choices of the characters, through the the problems that they're trying to solve inside the story, then then it's going to get noticed. It's going to feel like that kind of, you know, ham-fisted, you know, sermon on a page kind of a thing, but we we wouldn't want to do something like that. You know, we want to, we want to know, we want to make sure that what we're saying is clearly told, but not told in that kind of overt, you know, this is what you should think, but rather to get people to ask a question. We want we want everybody, to, as you're reading, to ask that question, like uh, one that resonates with themselves, you know? And so um, Lewis, actually, to, to quote him on this, one of my favorite things that he says in an obscure uh, article that's not as well known as many of his other books, but he says, uh, in order for a writer to develop a style, they have to do two things, know exactly what they're trying to say, and then make sure they're saying exactly that. <laughs> he says, <laughs> you know, whenever... Whenever you're writing, it's like driving a flock of sheep down a road. If there's a gate open to the left or to the right, the reader is definitely going to go into it. So you have to just, it's laser focused, you know, exactly what you're trying to get across. Um, Another thing that comes to mind when you're asking, you know, uh, about integrating the worldview and, and such is, Francis Schaeffer, as a Christian, you know, I, I look at uh, a lot of these guys who have come before working in, in art, and at least uh, Francis Schaeffer worked in art analysis a lot, and he did this uh, book called Art in the Bible. It's just a little pamphlet, really, and he has four criteria for evaluating good art, and I think that that's a great thing, and something that's kind of been lost in, you know, a lot of the Christian media and such that I've seen is, is this even good art? Is this, you know, is what we're doing? You know, well done. Is it is it a good integration of the message and the medium? You know, and so on. So yeah. So definitely, just kind of um, continuing to improve the craft itself. You know, and the message should flow kind of naturally and organically out of uh, who you are and what you believe. You
0: know? Yeah. Talk to me about like whenever you whenever you're creating the dialogue or you're creating the the characters or you're trying to figure out what choices they're going to make. What are some, some signals or some indicators for you that, okay, I think we, we, we might be forcing something as you were saying that isn't
1: organic. You know, that's funny you ask that because, you know, we're in the process of writing our next book, Dominion Four. And so uh, we go through that. So, you know, uh, I think that God blessed me with Daniel and and we'll get into more of this when we talk about Dominion, um, through the process of making and promoting the book, I've Encountered a lot of really, really talented individuals. Daniel, Daniel being one of them. And initially, um, I would I would write the whole book, but Daniel actually helps me because then I can focus on my strengths. And my strength is world building. My strength is you know macro m- macro storytelling, and I can really set things up really, really nicely, and I can bring it home. But when it comes down to the the, the minutia. Of things of relationships the the little quirks and idiosyncrasies that's where daniel's really good at that stuff and so um you know as far as you know how to pace things to to meet certain objectives um you know in general you know i mean i i kind of have an overall outline and then you know daniel and i have a back and forth and he might be like you know what uh not sure if this is going where we want it to go maybe we should consider this or whatever and so daniel please chime in <laughs> you're you're a part of this process
2: yeah sure yeah no um it is a lot it's um it really comes down to the character's motivations. Baron, when I came on board the project, he had already created the world and the character setup, the the lineup that we're working in and the story we're working on together now. And so I was able to kind of come into that that he had already kind of set up and then figure out how to make it pay off, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, how to make it pay off with that kind of poetic irony that you would want to see in a, in a great story like that. And so that's kind of what we're working at today and one of the things that I would focus on would be, is what the character is doing believable? Um, you know, sometimes I'll say, oh, is this character relatable? He has to have this trait, so she's got to have these things going on in order for the, the audience to be able to connect with them. Um, I would say that the audience will connect with with the character if what the character is doing is believable in their circumstances. So when you said, you know, what what is it f- when you feel forced? How do you know when it's not organic when they wouldn't do it? Um, And so the characters become real people, you know, they become real, real independent characters that that have their own set of values and choices. And ideally, the way that we try to achieve it with Dominion and what I do with, with all of my writing is to try and triangulate the characters in such a way that. They are at odds with each other, with everybody. In fact, none of them want the same things. You know, and so in that case, any scene where you throw two characters in the scene together, the two of them want something different than the other. And uh, and so and they can't all get what they want. You know, eventually someone's gonna get what they want and someone won't, or no one will, you know, uh, but they can't all, they can't all get what they want. And so it creates a very kind of um, it's almost like the characters begin to write themselves at that point. If you can set that up appropriately, then those choices uh, are made for you. Those characters are well-rounded enough that they their decision is clear. What they would do in any given situation should be clear. Um, you know, a lot of times people, you know, struggle with writer's block, and I, this is my solution to it, you know, is if your characters are shaped out, if they're roughed out enough and you and they know who they are, if your character knows who they are, then there shouldn't really be a lot of times where you'd get stuck you know, because the character will tell you what they ought to do in that situation, and if they're at odds with their with their, yeah. you know, co characters, then that that conflict and drama is automatic. It's built into the story, so it's really just about the the creative elements, which is kind of where Baron, you know, comes back into the equation to to come and say, okay, well, here's something awesome that I want to have happen, plot wise, or or visually, or or you know, an action thing, or something like this. You know. um, you know and they're infusing that back in, and then we go well what, how will the characters then react to this? you know, but that that's not the hard part once we know who they are, then we know how they would handle that situation because we get to know them you know yeah. so, it's really when it's really when that doesn't happen when a character's you know meandering through the story uh, and then they do something and you kind of sit back and you go. It doesn't feel realistic. I don't know why I don't like this. I don't know why I'm not buying this. It's because it's just, it's not what they would do. Their their motivation c- to do that thing cannot possibly be driven by the circumstances that they're finding themselves in. It's just not enough. The, the demand for them to make that choice isn't strong enough. You know, so it's really about positioning the story in such a way that those choices are very real and meaningful, you know, to the character.
0: Dr. Bell, do you have any other uh, thoughts as it pertains to that?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I think above all, we we want to entertain. Um, at the end of the day, um, we are adapting a Bible story. So you're going to get some education <laughs> because we're meeting a lot of the major plot points. We're just kind of taking artistic license in a lot of the story. But, um, you know, I think that one of the things that I love about Daniel and how we write is that we're not afraid to go to the hard place, um, to the uncomfortable place. To the place that kind of shakes you up in, in, inside a little bit, um, to to the place that will make you sad for the characters, but we we don't want to create unlikable characters. I mean, even even you know uh, the scoundrel has some likable characteristics in him. You know what I'm saying? So it's like you 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 want to find a nice balance. Um, but you you also shouldn't be afraid to 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 take characters to uh, an uncomfortable place, and I think that's where growth
2: happens. Right. Yeah, and I'm really enjoying that with uh, with Dominion too. As we're talking about that one with Saul, we keep yanking him back and forth between basically hating the guy and then uh, and then feeling sorry for him, and then you kind of hoping that he's going to do the right thing, and then you hate him again. You know, and it, it kind of keeps. Uh-huh you know, pulling back and forth. So it's a very complex, very, um, you know, very resonant character because you do, you do begin to relate. You do have empathy for them, but at the same time, you know, you, you can, you can be angry at the decisions that they're making, you know, so makes for fun storytelling. Yeah. And let's, let's
0: talk about uh, Dominion and uh, you know, I've in the, in the intro, you know, I've kind of given a little brief synopsis of kind of what, uh what the story is about but i would love to hear maybe starting with you dr bell since you were really kind of the visionary behind it and then talking about how how daniel got involved i would love to hear the story behind dominion in the house in the uh fall of the house of saul and um what the true Hollywood story yeah exactly exactly
1: (laughs) the behind the scenes uh well um, yeah i know it's a it's a meandering tale that started in in the year nineteen ninety nine when I was in uh, grad school at Regent University, Christian school, uh, and I wrote a story called Sword of the Spirit, and it's one of those kind of kind of Disney type extravaganzas, but it's Christian based, um, and uh, there were anthropomorphic characters. It was in space. It was all sorts of wonderful visuals and you know epic uh galaxy hopping characters and so i did that and uh put it on the shelf for a long long time um and i got into comics after um after grad school i went to la to sell a tv show but i was also doing my first book cobalt warrior angel at the same time the tv show didn't go anywhere but i got interested interest in my comic um from warner brothers And it kind of sat on the shelf forever. (laughs) So the the option was never picked up. But still, it kind of showed me that comics was a viable way for me to actually ply my trade. And so fast forward to um, uh, 2009. I'm in Atlanta. Uh, I meet up with my publisher, current publisher now. His name is Mark Stansel with Terminus Media. And um, we collaborate on a really cool book called Radio Free America which, um, by the way, it's at terminusmedia.com if you ever want to check that out. Um, and that's kind of like a pseudo-post-apocalyptic um, uh, uh, ge- geopolitical thriller um, that focuses on, you know, the Black community and how they deal with World War Three and all this other stuff. So it's kind of a cool story. But the problem with, with, the whole situation wasn't the book. It wasn't the stories. It wasn't anything else. It was, it was me. It was what was going on in my spiritual life. Because while I loved telling these stories, I loved comic books and all this other stuff. I had a problem because I was facing a crisis of conscience. And so that crisis of conscience and and my dealings with Christ in my life kind of pulled me away from uh, from comics and and more so into academia, and I got my PhD and all that, uh, because I, I I was really not satisfied with, you know, the way the publisher was telling stories. It was kind of the the same old same old superheroes and objectifying women and glorifying violence the whole nine yards. So I got pulled away from comics for several years. Flash forward to twenty nineteen mark and i are talking again and after a time we were just kind of like it was a null period and i was i had this kind of a burning desire to get back in the game and tell stories again but i i didn't want to do it the old way because it didn't feed my spirit plus also it was not comics is not very lucrative if you really want to understand the game comics don't make money it's ip that makes money it's it's the Spider-Man brand, like Daniel was talking about. Spider-Man comics don't make a ton of money, but the Spider-Man movies make money for Marvel and Sony. And so, um, I had a conversation with Mark. We had a come-to-Jesus moment. I said, "You know, I can take my new story idea for Dominion to another com- to another publisher, or we could we could do it here, but Terminus would have to make some changes because there's no way that I would want to." attach myself to the old model of comic kind of book publishing and good thing is mark is a christian brother too and he had that same crisis of conscience conscience and terminus really went through a, a, a revolution terminus got saved basically So terminus dropped a lot of the books that it was doing previously you know mark you know lost a lot of potential money and just he severed relationships with other authors and other comic book artists and all that other stuff. And um, yeah, we we set forth to transform Terminus into a faith and family friendly publishing house with Dominion being the flagship. Dominion in and of itself comes from my love for the Bible and biblical history. Um, I wanted to tell a story from the Bible, but I didn't want to tell it in a typical way with the swords and sandals. The, the, the story of King Saul was very intriguing to me because he's a very complicated character. And, you know, the typical storytelling route would be you see Saul for a minute and then you go right to David. And then you see him slaying the giant and all that other stuff. Me, I didn't want to do that. I said, let me linger with Saul a little bit. Let me go and delve deep into his pathology to see why this dude is seen the way he's seen now and let's go into that story and then tell the story of of kingdom and 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 make it an epic and just really make it huge the 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 difference was i wanted to apply what i did before with sword of the spirit i wanted it to be a space opera i wanted it to be uh you know anthropomorphic characters piloting spaceships and giant suits of armor um and dealing with political intrigue on different worlds and and how this, uh, this, this kingdom, dominion, which makes up several different planets, star systems and a galaxy, how do they work? And then what is their great threat, which is the Philistines? How do they look and how do everyone relate to each other? And then you're building this family dynamic within the course of all of that. So, yes, that's in a nutshell. Dominion is about war. It's about family. It's based on 1 Samuel chapter 15 uh, of the story of King Saul and how he rose to prominence, uh, and then eventually how he fell and his family is taken along for the ride.
0: Yeah. And Daniel, how did, where did you come in at the story?
1: Yeah, well, um, I
2: actually started out as a kid, I was 14 and I I started a theater group, uh, called Bible Actors Productions. It was a huge, a huge, um, thing that i worked on for many years and we had hundreds of people who participated in that and we did theater productions and skits and all kinds of multimedia stuff over the years and uh and as time went on we decided to shift our focus with the you know ever-changing you know landscape and and the cost of trying to do touring productions um for young families and such as we started to get a little bit older we shifted into trying our hand at audio drama And so I put together a full cast audio drama of 50 voice actors, original score, immersive cinematic type sound effects. You know, you put it in your earbuds like this and kind of go to another world. Right. And we did the entire gospel story like this. And uh, so, yeah, that's available at terminusmedia.com slash end of darkness. You can check that out. But uh, when I had done that project, that was around the time when we had released that, that I actually came across this happened upon uh, Baron's Instagram of all things, I always joke because I like do nothing on Instagram. I'm an old guy now, right? And I don't, <laughs> but I try, yeah, I'm on Instagram and I'm scrolling and I see the the, the picture of Queen Ahinoam, the lioness with the, with the awesome headdress and all the sci-fi stuff. And so I'm like, man, this is cool. And just thought, I'll just send off a cool message to this guy and tell him it looks nice. I'm glad you're doing this. And we got to talking about stuff and he checked out End of Darkness. And we started talking about the potential for an audio drama of Dominion. Um, and so that's something that we're still kind of you know exploring. And then you know the discussions, you know kind of shifted into possibilities of animation and you know, just the expanding of the series. And so that's kind of where I came in as kind of like a multimedia type producer. Uh, but along the way, um kind of examining the script and looking at the story arcs and such, I said, I think I can help <laughs> with uh, with this a little bit. so we we partnered up at that point, and I started to to help with really editing that first book. And, uh and doing dialogue kind of working on that portion of it and then on the second and third books and now the the continuation uh you know working on the writing with baron pretty regularly so you know one of those cool things for me too just coming from my background i've worked on a lot of kind of imaginative stuff one of the other plays that i that i wrote and produced which we're actually packaging for a graphic novel I'm working on that uh as we speak here um is uh, your kingdom come which is not to be confused with the uh <laughs> the comic book that Baron mentioned earlier. But uh and it was a medieval fantasy kind of in the realm of Tolkien and all that kind of stuff, and kind of the same kind of character dynamics and whatnot, and just lots of really cool productions like that. So to be able to to step into something like this where there's all those elements of the epic and the the kingdoms and fantasy, but also the science fiction stuff, which I love and comics it's uh, it's just a great, a great opportunity to be able to, uh, to work on such a a cool story. Yeah.
0: Uh, I want to ask both of you kind of, uh, I guess, I I guess I'll use the term like expertise and like Dr. Bauer, I'd love to talk with you about uh, world building first. And like, what are, what are some of the things or what are some of the keys to world building or even like what you had to go through, through Dominion of like, yeah, you have, uh, the, the story in First Samuel, but as you mentioned, you're telling a space opera, which is vastly different than the Bible. Um, and so, I would just love to hear uh, h- how do you go about creating world building. What does that look like for you?
1: I think that's probably the funnest part of what I do. It really is. I mean, I'm a very imaginative person. Uh, my wife will say I'm a little too imaginative <laughs> not, and not as practical as I need to be. Um, but you know, um I I really start out by uh just it really is about just you know the just the character. It's like when I when I when I took um when when I when I was reading the Bible uh and I was reading um the story of King Saul, um I started to say, man, this could this could be Dune. This could be Star Wars this could easily be chronicles of riddick this could be all any any sort of that type of uh genre blending story that you would see because if you look at a story like dune um if you if you take one scene and maybe like focus and just zoom in on a character you couldn't really tell unless they're in a still suit that this is a sci-fi because it looks medieval in some cases. Um, And so that's where I live. I live in that type of a hybrid world. And so it really wasn't very difficult for me to build Dominion because I really was, was basing it on a lot of the things that I love. Star Wars, you know, the, the galaxy spanning empire Um, you know you have clear definitions of good versus evil you have this kind of all-consuming force that goes into everything and permeates everything that's for us is the holy spirit and and jesus and god and and to me who who is the almighty in our book by the way but that the, the groundwork was already laid for that for me so then i just said okay well Let me take the map of of the Middle East and then transpose that onto a star chart. And that's kind of what you get with Dominion. Um, We call our galaxy Dominion Celestia. Uh, And then uh, Dominion occupies a small uh, portion on the outer arm of the galaxy. And then, of course, around them, it, are there friends and enemies allies and, and, and adversaries the philistines and then you have all the other you know, egypt and all that other stuff that we <laughs> haven't even gotten into yet but um but that's kind of how we started how i started to build the world of dominion it's just released okay it's in the stars and then uh they have technology this is what the technology is here's kind of some historical background. Daniel and I, we, we're starting even now more to get into more history um, by looking back in in the passages before First Samuel and going into the uh, Judges and all that other stuff. And then, of course, that also lends itself to, you know, interpolation into the Dominion sphere. So it's been very, very cool. And for anybody listening, you really, in order to, to
2: fully comprehend what Baron's talking about here, it, you got to go to a, the Instagram or Facebook or something and see the the work. Because we're hearing him describe the world building and the art, but you got to see it. You got to see the awesome ships and all the cool stuff. I mean, it's amazing. It's it's awesome to check out. And all the, the behind the scenes, we have like a regular uploads of... All the process art and everything as it's being developed and kind of taking shape, um, which is extremely fun for me. You know, I'm writing the books. I get to see this stuff as he's cranking it out, you know, and and we're, we're going back and forth on the on the dialogue and discussion. But also seeing kind of the the sci-fi elements and all the awesome world building kind of take shape. So definitely go go check that out. Um, obviously get the book too but the process behind the scenes stuff is great to check out too
1: yeah everything can be found on www.terminusmedia.com
2: yeah
0: uh daniel i wanted to ask you about like the relational side of the characters and and the character growth piece of it as well and even like the dialogue piece or in the detail piece that you would talk about talk to me about like your process through through that and what that looks like for you
2: yeah, well, uh, we kind of touched on it a little bit already, but, you know, my basic approach would be to, to create the characters and develop them to such a degree that I know who they are and what kind of decisions that they're going to be able to make in those circumstances. Um, and when it comes to dialogue, uh, I have, you know, uh, I, I forget, I think it's maybe Pixar that talks about every every frame of painting, you know, um, forget who that originally goes back to but the idea that every single image on the screen should should be able to be a still that could get framed and they do a great job with that you know because you basically pause it anywhere and everything's beautiful and in a lot of ways we try to apply that to the dialogue and to the characters everything matters every single thing that's said there's no as i put it empty or wasted real estate on the page um you know when i when i kind of Uh, came on board with that first book, Uh, you know, Barron had already had word bubbles, you know, there was already, the the art was already kind of locked. And so I had to come in and be like, okay, what are we going to say here? how, How can we use the real estate that exists in this book to be able to convey, I think the depths of story that the art is alluding to, you know? And so that real estate is kind of fixed. You know, you only have so much room on a page. And so my my goal as I'm writing dialogue is to make every single inch matter, every word. There's not there's not a wasted syllable, um, and there's usually several layers to anything that someone's saying. You know, people only open their mouths to speak when they want something. Um, you know, and so it's it's about figuring out what that is. What is it that they want? What is it that they are trying to achieve by the thing that they're saying? And then kind of burying that into the subtext, you know, and having them say that in the, in a way that would be realistic for them to speak to their, the person across from them. So it's, it's a lot of, uh, very kind of thoughtful, um, thoughtful work. And it's, it is, I think really does go back. The dialogue gets easier, you know, when we do that early work, yeah. you know, knowing who the characters are, knowing where we're going with the story, uh, makes it easier to know what the, what those people would say and, and what kind of an emotional arc we're going on. So sometimes I get, uh, on the phone with baron they i'll say all right we need to talk about book eight and you're like we're writing book four man <laughs> so i'll be like but you don't understand like it's gonna pay off you, you gotta understand yeah. uh, i've got i've got the 15 i think is the mark i've got so you know, i love that let, us, let that us get through the 15 you know um and we'll get the full story you're gonna get everything you want out of this story man it's gonna be you know it's gonna take you places it's gonna take you everywhere you'd want to go it's gonna really what the goal would be is to drink up every every opportunity for drama every opportunity for emotion every opportunity for story development for character growth that we can out of this dynamic that we've created here in dominion what we've got with this family with the with the prince the princess the queen the king the 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 new intruder david as he's going to enter the scene how how is all this going to play out you know and what can we see how what are all the things that can happen and so we want to I want to happen is at the end of the story, we should have everybody go, man, everything that I wanted, every everything that I expected, all the things that I was hoping would happen, happened in this story. So it's kind of that early work is, you know, I'll call say, hey, what about book, you know, chapter eight, we're going to do this because I need to know how we want that character to end, you know, because it's going to affect how you're going to speak in chapter four you know, if they're going to open their mouths and say something where they're going matters, you know? So it's a lot of kind of careful planning and thinking through exactly what story we're telling.
0: Yeah. And one of the things that I've always been curious and I would love your thoughts on it Maybe uh, it may be stuff that we already covered, but, um, talk to me about like writing, like, uh, I don't know, maybe like an unlikable character. Like, you know, we were talking a little bit about Saul to where like, yeah. if you, if you read through the Bible, and, you know, it's, it's very easy to go, okay, Saul is, you know, a bad guy and that's not the goal. That's not what you guys are doing. Like you're, you're getting there to help us empathize with Saul. Can you talk just a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the one thing that, that we don't want to do is be cliche. Um, We don't want to be been there, done that. We, we want to um, think, uh, reach for higher critical fruit on the tree. And so, The easy thing would be to say, "Oh, Saul is a horrible person." You know, he, you know, is always making these horrible mistakes, and and he's everyone. He alienates everyone, and whatever. Okay, a lot of that is apparent. That's easy, but you know, in psychology, there, there, there are are reasons people act a certain way. It, It comes from somewhere. There is a root to that, and so we dive deeper into. Saul's pathology, we we kind of hint at it a little bit in, in book one you know what I'm saying, we'll, we'll be addressing it a little bit more in book four, you know what I'm saying we're talking a little bit about it in book two and three.
2: There's this moment in book four, this moment in book four, Baron, where, where, where we make you hate Saul so much, you guys are going <laughs> to love the chapter four, it's, it's, it's going to be the best one yet, and we're going to keep saying that by the way, every chapter is going to be the best one yet um, yeah, it should that's the way it should go And uh, so chapter four, though, you hate him, you just absolutely hate him. And then literally in the next, in the next, you flip the page, and you're going to feel so sorry for this guy, you're going to feel so, so bad for for the position that he's found himself in. And so this unlikable thing you're talking about, how do you how do you create that? Because they're real. You know, Baron, what you did with Saul, you know, even at the beginning, just in the in- initial outline of the character, is you created somebody that, that's yeah. a real that's a real person. You know, uh the Saul in the Bible is obviously, but we're just kind of taking that and magnifying and just expounding on that and clarifying all those things. The good, the good about yeah, it. I mean, the, the, the thing is, you know, <laughs> you know, Saul they both exist
1: any one of us. You know what I'm saying? You know, Saul it, it, Saul is a fallen creature, but he started somewhere. He didn't start out bad. He had good intentions, and so the thing is there. And there's one panel in book one where you kind of see in in one, you know, kind of a, a moody clip. King Saul is on his bed after having a nightmare. His wife is sleeping next to him, and he just says the words, "Come back," and this is referring to Samuel, who had left him. Who is his friend and mentor, and is his main connection to the Almighty? And so, you know, the and the funny thing about it is, my brother—I have a twin brother who is the opposite of me. He's not saved. As a matter of fact, he has no desire, no love for Jesus at all. But he read Dominion and he got it. He understood it. He resonated. He was like, "Man, that character Saul is awesome." Because he's not your mustache-twirling antagonist. You know, that's easy. He's complicated. Um, A lot of us may have a Saul-like character in our world. Saul is a narcissist. Uh, He, you know, his son Jonathan seeks after his approval because he's his dad. He looks up to him, but he never gets it. And we feel sorry for him. He's a tragic character. But Saul... Just when you think he's capable of change, he reverts to form, and that's kind of who he is. But it doesn't mean that he's a horrible person. It just means that he's working with what he what he had to try to figure it out. and a lot of times he doesn't.
2: A lot of these characters, too. it's not just Saul that we're doing this with. All of the characters have very complex um natures you know you've got uh the the princess and the prince who at both at times we're going to get you to the place where you're going why are you making this decision you know like they, they have their downside their their faults their flaws and this is a tragedy you know for that matter you know the, and so make no mistake it's it's going to be tragic when we get to the end of these stories uh the character arcs are going to be um, they're going to fulfill that. Well, it is that story. The biblical the story bears that out. <laughs> you but, can kind of uh, tell where
1: it's going to end.
2: <laughs> it is right. It's the whole house too. It's it's not the fall of Saul. It's the fall of the house of Saul. You know, and so all of these characters have those kind of fatal flaws in them uh, that will eventually be their downfalls. You know, and so it's it's, uh, it's definitely evident in Saul's character because he you know kind of an overt you know overtly flawed character but uh, the others have their weaknesses too. And so we definitely want to show their strengths and we want you to, to like them likable, you know, like you said, uh, likable characters. They're good at what they do. They're really skilled and talented. They have good hearts on one level, you know, but at the same time, they've got this thing, this, this weak spot that's pulling them in the wrong direction. And so the goal would be to bring, to take us on that journey, to see all those, those avenues explored and make them make those difficult decisions um, you know, let the character be refined in the fire, you know, oh of one the story. One other thing that
0: I want to ask you guys, uh, but before that, is there anything that we haven't covered? Um, and I know that there's a lot that we could talk about, but is there is there anything just top of mind that's like, hey, you want to make sure that you mention this or that you're just thinking about whether it be Dominion or storytelling or anything like that?
1: Um, well, just kind of related, uh, Dominion Volume 1, which covers the first three chapters, will be dropping officially uh, December the 15th. So hey, go to www.terminusmedia.com <laughs> and get yourself a copy uh, before then. And then also uh, related to that, we have this really cool thing um, that is we partnered up with this uh, Christian TikTok influencer. Her name is Davina uh, Cravenhouse. And uh, she is doing uh, a what's called the Dominion Graphic Novel Bible Study. And it's really kind of our way to expand our, our, our dominion brand into a, a much more of a resource mode because we do have study guides at the end of each book that connect it directly back to the scripture. And so we want to encourage Bible studies. We want to encourage this to be used by pastors and youth, youth organizers and, and uh, study uh, groups, even homeschoolers, for the purpose of Bible study. And so that's happening on this Sunday um, from 4, I think it's 4 o'clock, it's like 30 minutes apiece, So it's like 30, 4 o'clock uh, Eastern time. And so, uh, so yeah, th- those are the things that we really are, are, are looking to grow and develop. And as Dominion grows, our Bible studies will grow. And uh, we definitely want to give glory to God in that way.
2: Yeah, and I'll just add too, uh, we got a discount code Dominion Trade. You get ten percent off of uh, pre-orders for the for the Dominion Volume One. If you want to go grab that on Terminus Media, and also uh, connect with us on social media too. Uh, we love to talk to to other creators and people who are doing stuff like this or who like this type of work that we're doing. You know, we're pretty accessible guys, and uh, we we love to connect with other people and find out what you're working on as well. So we're on all the places: Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and and all the others as well. So definitely connect, and uh, we'd love to talk with you.
0: Awesome. Well, the last thing that I want to ask you guys is, what's what's something that you've learned either about yourself or about the world through creating Dominion?
1: Oh man, you know what, man? Dominion has been a, a wonderful labor of love for me because I have grown in my relationship with God a hundredfold as a result of it. You can't help but to if you're in the word all the time, um, because it, it does something, it pierces your soul. Every time you read it, you can read something different in everything. And so, you know, that's the one thing I got, I've gotten out of this, that if the meaning doesn't ever do what we hope it would do, I still am the beneficiary of wonderful spiritual fruit as a result of it. So That really, to me, is just kind of like awesome. I'm getting to know the Bible and God in a way that I've never experienced it before. Definitely.
2: And uh, for me, it's also been really very exciting to learn about new mediums, you know, uh, coming into comic books. I actually was given a, a Bible comic book, a Jesus comic book in Sunday school. That was the first one I've ever received and probably one of the only ones I ever got as a kid and uh, i read that though, over and over again and wrote my first play based on it so it's kind of cool that we full circle back around here and here i am back to comics again but being able to go to um to another medium going from stage to film to you know audio drama and then to comic books and learning about the the various aspects that uh translate you know that can be applied and the, and then how they're different you know has been really exciting and encouraging
0: awesome well Thank you both so much for being on the podcast today. And uh, thanks so much just for for doing the work because I know that it's not easy.
1: Thank you so much for the opportunity. Absolutely.
0: I think there's so many things to take away from that conversation. However, uh, two that really stand out to me right now are, well, actually there's a couple. One, Dr. Bell started with this idea over 20 years ago. And it is just now and it and it started becoming uh, a reality into the world at 2020 which is just amazing um and so being able to to think about and pursue that thing for literally and to find the origins of that over twenty years ago I think the other thing and this is also from dr Bell is just what he talked about for the world building of imagining places and then taking the time to combine different settings you know the the biblical narrative in in the space opera and, you know, looking at it like something through Dune or something through Star Wars or through, through many different epics like that. And then I think from Daniel as well, what he talked about of, is this, are making sure that the decisions that, that characters make are organic, that are true to who the character is and not becoming forced and realizing that it's it's through things like that. It's through building the, the backstory that he talked about, you know, and, and laying the groundwork for things, you know, as he mentioned, that take place in chapter four that will pay off in chapter eight and paying attention to those things. And so those are just a couple of takeaways for me. I, as I said uh, before, I love learning from story. And so I'm super glad that we were able to talk with the both of them about a story that they're working on and some of the things that they're learning through it and some of the things uh, that we can learn from it as well. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you left a rating or, write it or wrote a review on uh, Apple Podcasts. That would mean a ton. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit subscribe or follow, and you'll never miss a single episode on the podcast, and it will continue to show up in your feed as well. Don't forget that the trade paperback uh, graphic novel is going to be available on December 15th for uh, for release, or will be released On that day as well. If you would like us to cover something else or talk with someone on the podcast, hit me up at learnerscornerpodcast at gmail.com. And I think that's all that I have for today. So I do want to say thanks to Garrett Oler for doing the editing on the podcast. Thank you to Sam Massey for creating the music on the podcast. Thank you to Dr. Bell for being on the podcast and for Daniel for being on the podcast as well. And I think that's all that I have for today. And so... My name is Caleb Mason, and until next time, keep learning and keep growing.